0: Hey everyone, once more unto the breach dear Crittermanders, once more we shall seal this adventure path with our Corpse Fleet dead. My name is Patrick and I am your Game Master, your Podcaster, and your guide to the end of Season 1 of Cosmic Crit. Welcome back yet again. We can't dally too much as we need to get to wrapping up this adventure. I want to make sure though that you stick around after... We play as we have another interview with this AP's author, and for the Empire Bones, they'll be Starfinder design lead Owen K.C. Stevens. He was kind enough to talk to us about all things Corpse Fleet, Walls of Force, and Elikoths. That is right after our episode ends, and you will not want to miss it. Including this episode, there are only three episodes left in this season of our show, which means that you have a little more time in order to join our February fan challenge. Guess what Drew, Jabert, Miles, Rebecca, and Tyler are going to pick as their Season 2 character classes and races, and whoever guesses the most correct will win a gift card to the Cosmic Crit store. We will announce the winners at the beginning of March right before our Season 2 opener episode, so follow the link in our description and on our website, and get your guesses in now. Okay, intro out of the way. You didn't come here for this. You want back in on the action. So let's get to it. It's episode 72, entitled, Exit, Exit through, through the
1: Crit, the Crit Shop. Shop. Last time on Cosmic Crypt. Raimi, Nak...
2: Andis and Alindra save Adras's butt. In his continuing mission to toe the line between bravery and stupidity, Remy teleports through another wall to help his endangered Vesk friend.
1: We finally downed Admiral Saravox. His walls can't hold us back.
3: The bad guy has been destroyed and things are about to explode.
4: It's time to run away and not look behind us. Only the one thing left to do,
1: run! We set the Empire of Bones on a course to impact and destroy the Stellar Degenerator.
4: Heavens to Murgatroyd! Exit!
0: Stage left, even!
2: Raimi cranks up the classic tunes as he pilots the Empire of Bones to its final destination. Hold on to your butts! Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated.
0: We're dive bombing into global Armageddon as two super giant powers collide and the results are quite explosive on Dr. Cosmic Love or as an alternative title how the Drift Rider crew Learned to stop worrying and learn to love the crit. Welcome back everyone my name is Patrick I'm your GM your general major huddled in an underground bunker deciding upon the fate of the planet. Joining me this week in Blasting the Commies, Back to the Stone Age, are my five friends and your crew of Boeing B-52 Strata Fortress members. To my left, Peter Sellers playing three roles, all of whom know how to get them. It's Drew playing Knackfeldspar. I'm so nervous I can't come up with a quote. To his left. Tell them that they can't fight in here. This is the war room. It's Ow. playing Andes 147. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. That's why I give you, yeah, Patrick. It. Across the digital table from me, general disarray in the form of mutually assured destruction. It's Miles playing Rainy Quindar. Good evening. To his left, a Lashunton bombshell supernoving over the former USSR. It's Rebecca playing Alindra Vallis. Hello. And finally, to my right, why it's King Kong himself whipping his cowboy head as he straddles an A-bomb. It's Tyler playing a Dross yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what is this? Some kind of end of season one miracle where Tyler knows what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Slim Pickens, riding it all the way down. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Welcome back. How are we feeling tonight? Nervous. You know,
4: yeah, yeah. good.
0: I'm, but, I'm feeling, you know, that could change. Yeah, I'm yeah like ever, I just straddled a bomb and I'm <laughs> riding it to its ultimate conclusion. You guys really thought you were out of danger last week, right? There was this boss fight, and that means Patrick's out of time on his march to kill uh, one of you or all of you off.
4: Well, he no. did say we had X number of episodes left and we were counting.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not out of danger yet. There is still... Much danger to be had in this episode. So you guys are ready, right, to escape the Empire of Bones? Maybe finish off this adventure path? Yeah. Ready as yes. I'll ever be. Let's, let's get on get, there for ticket. Let's get right back into the action. Yeah. <laughs> you all just set the Empire of Bones, the super colossal capital ship, on a direct collision course with the Stellar Degenerator. An alarm in the oxygen starts blaring across the ship. Warning. Yeah. Impact imminent. Abandon ship. Abandon ship. Blood red warning lights begin flashing, and two large exhaust ports kind of slide open and reveal emergency elevators that seem to lead below decks. And as taking a look at the computers and maps, you see that these seem to go to life rafts several decks below. Well, that's that's handy. I say, it's, it, okay, gang, this way. <laughs> it, it's almost <laughs> like the 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 uh, the people who run the ship don't want to die with it. <laughs> so. Uh, you guys are are tumbling into these elevator shafts, getting ready to go down.
1: Yes, yes. Well, oh. preferably walking into them, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, Edros can just... click on his mag boots and walk down the walls. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh dang it! <laughs> Edros is uh, dead. S. It takes like uh, fifty <laughs> minutes to walk the the length of the ship. Did Did I hear anything back from the uh, the drift rider? uh there is apparently almost no way to communicate through this ship's shields or perhaps the the battle going on outside there's all kinds of jams going through uh at least you haven't heard anything back from bumfuzzle and cattywampus yet back. Darn. Um, while you guys are are now finally getting a moment's rest here and getting to these elevators, uh, why doesn't everyone make me a fortitude save? Oh no.
3: You know, guys, it's okay. The GM will, would never ask for a fortitude save if it was something bad. Have you met our GM? No, but I did roll a thirty-two, so I don't care.
4: <laughs> you might oh, just a, just
0: a thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Uh... Uh yes, yeah, some really good rules here, right? Yeah, I got twenty nine. What's the lowest? Is is the lowest? Uh, Alendro with the twenty one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're gonna hate me. Um, you still have the,
1: the eel coat,
4: right? Eel jacket?
0: No.
1: I think I've used it. <laughs> oh.
0: the, I do. The DC for this is twenty two, and perhaps it's oh, your
1: no.
0: Lashuntin psychic abilities, but as you know, you close your eyes just for a moment uh, as the elevator kind of flashes and you see lights of the decks going by. You get flashes of Seravox still alive somewhere inside your mind. It seems the potent wizard left a dark impression upon your psyche as part of his death and is kind of reaching out beyond the grave with a, a telepathic grasp once more and yeah, you feel your arms heavier, weapons uh, feel like they weigh twice as much footsteps, a little less sure you are fatigued as the condition oh no, oh good uh, hey uh, you're looking a little sleepy right there I use one of my two remaining restoratives uh, to counteract fatigue you still get a flash or two in your mind but the, <laughs> the miracle <laughs> of better living through chemistry is going to stop Negative. <laughs> right, so the escape route is a fast one, and it's just a few minutes later that the elevator opens into a large black corridor, about 20 feet wide, 30 foot tall. There are markings that uh, show a small landing bay, a scarce 500 yards from where this elevator drops off. It currently has a, a readout and shows there there are three lifeboats in place and operational. What do you guys want to do? How many b- people f- how
4: there? many people fit in a lifeboat?
0: Like five or six. Oh, okay. Oh so they're lifeboats, not pods? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like a like an escape capsule kind of thing as opposed to a a, a single person pod. No
1: Not way. like a yellow raft that goes through space. <laughs> it just
0: inflates
1: for no reason.
0: <laughs> so, you know,
3: so we'll float in space, you know. Yeah. So we don't sink. It also One comes of the with a volleyball to talk
0: to. It does that too, yeah. <laughs>
4: so I imagine that there are probably still some unliving folks that are trying to get to these things. Do we see anybody in the corridor ahead of us? Uh, why doesn't everyone make a perception check? Not got a 40.
0: Uh, right, so Naka Adra- 40, Adros, Andis Andras got a 10. Yeah. <laughs> now, why, why do you roll that, Andras? Um, <laughs> Andis uh, with the 35 and the added bonus of being able to see in the dark, you see about 100 feet down the corridor, looks like from where you're standing right now, a couple of bone-like creatures uh, clutching rifles and kind of peering into the, the space where you're standing, but... Perhaps they, they cannot see that far. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you said feet
4: after that hundred. I got really nervous for a second.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, 100 monsters. Uh, 100 Skittermanders. Ah! Yeah, just just uh, went down this corridor so when we set this thing on a collision course with the with the stellar degenerator presumably we sort of like were keeping track of what our speed was and maybe we could calculate roughly how long it's going to take like do we have like minutes do we have like rounds to get out of here or yeah it's it's probably a good you know 15-20 minutes still okay. from okay. from where you, like you just hit the button a few minutes ago up on the command deck hustled into the elevator and, and got to here so okay Okay, cool. Are yeah, I'm going to th-
4: Are you thinking we need to maybe duck, dodge, dip, dive and dodge these guys or do you think we need to take them out on the way?
0: I think I think we can I think we can take them. I think we can take them. Uh what's but let's let's take it slow. Take it slow and stealthy. Looks like we got two. Can I tell what they are? Uh they yeah. They look like they Why look like Maycocks, but they 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 are indeed fully skeletal, like the the baycocks that you've fought uh, mm-hmm. elsewhere, um, and they seem to have a similar kit, this long, evil, bone like rifle. So it's not a not a bad. With the eyes okay. of Rian, you are able to, to make I out w- some some specifics about them at this distance. Yeah, I'll I'll use uh, physical science as a move action to identify undead creatures. Uh, Thirty three. Uh, so they, yeah, that is enough. These are indeed looks like some pretty nasty looking bacocks. You know, once again, from a a brief conversation with Raimi after you you had a a few encounters with them, they have some nasty abilities, including infusing into their weapons, uh, you know, into their ammunition, dark necrotic energy, as well as a fun ability. It's called Devour Soul. And if you ever are unconscious or on the ground, um, they can come up to you and make you do a fortitude save or you die. Okay. That's worth remembering. Yeah. if They're dead or dying. They can just
4: <laughs>
0: suck your soul out of your body. I would like to stealth to within 80 feet. Okay. And then address, maybe you, maybe you hang in the back.
3: Uh, okay. <coughs> oh God. I forgot to <coughs> uh, Sure. Yeah. I can.
0: You think so? Right. Right. I, so I've rolled a 29 on my stealth check. Okay, yeah. You are able to move forward, uh, what, 20, 30 feet from from where you first saw them? Then I'm going to move up to uh, the 80-foot mark in in front of them. Do I need to make another check here? No, but moving forward, uh, you do see now, skulking in the shadows behind them, another figure. And it's one that you have seen before, as it is a large, undead, vesk-looking figure. (gasps)
4: <gasps>
0: very oh, similar course. armor and armament to the gatecrasher undead Saravox had at their side. Hmm. All right. I, I relay this back to the rest of the crew and, uh, I'm going to track the two big cocks and, um, I'm going to tell everybody to get ready, get ready for a, uh, for a party. <laughs> so, so, so gang, if you'd like to arrange yourself and whatever, what, whatever, uh, setup you'd like back there.
4: Nack is going right. to need to get a lot closer to do anything, so... Um, Same.
0: Um, right, well, what, so what I'm planning on doing is I'm planning on uh, opening up with a volley and seeing if I can probably not drop one of these guys, but maybe if I get a crit and then and then I'm just going to pull back. And so I'm going to pull them back to you.
3: Okay. Um, Raimi, do you, have any, do you have any invisibility spells left? If you give Alindra or I invisibility, we'd possibly flank them.
2: I think I have one more fourth level spell left?
0: Yeah, you can burn a higher level spell for um, for a regular spell if you'd like. If you just want to do invisibility.
2: I, I, I'm
4: wondering if invisibility wouldn't be as useful as one of those fourth level spells.
2: Well, I, so for my fourth level spell, I have greater invisibility, so I could give that to one of them, which would be pretty helpful. Mm, that makes sense. I, I, I would think Adras might be the person to give it to just because of his his health situation, but mm. we could also flash
0: grenade him. All right. I'm going to need everyone's action right now. Let's All go in right. and, and, right. and say some kind of turn order, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some kind of magical initiative turn order. So let's, let's do this uh, in order. Um, Andes is the furthest forward. If you want to kick things off with a, a move or a standard in a surprise round, everyone can make a mover or a standard and yeah, yeah. Jibbert, what would you like to do? Um, Next well, move in- I, I definitely would have, uh, Tracked these guys uh, mm-hmm. while I was surveilling them. Easy um, enough. No, all right. And then since this plasma caster has a uh, has a nice long range on it, I'm just gonna open up with an opening volley, and I'm gonna try to uh, go after the Baycock that's sort of on like the western side of the hallway. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to uh, I'm gonna open up with a uh, with an overcharged shot. All Here we go. Right. <laughs> Ooh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm sorry. What weapon are you firing? That was the uh, the plasma, or sorry, the uh, the spear of fates. Ooh, yes. yes. I forgot all about this gun. <laughs> <laughs> um magical. Yeah, was that plasma energy? Yeah. yeah. Shooting out the the end of it. 33 is a hit. Get
3: the flanders. you not yeah. learn your lesson, that gun is useless. Stop I, using it.
4: I know, right? <laughs> it is <it's> totally <laughs> cursed. It's totally it's cursed. cursed. Weapon. <laughs> it's I, that, it's not, for your life. It's not doing 43 damage at all. Oh, no.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> 43 is a good hit. Not enough to kill these tough and rough and tumble customers made completely of bone and the, the souls of like murderers from eons ago. Edros us, a move or a standard action? That's going to be
3: a standard action to activate a force field, Patrick.
0: And Alindra Vallis.
1: I am going to move right up next to Andis.
0: All right, moving forward.
2: And finally, Rami Quindar. Uh, so Rami is going to move next to Edros so that on his next turn... Actually, he's going to move up a little bit next to, to Nack so that, but it's communicating with Edros to, to get next to him so he can turn invisible. Okay,
0: and that will be the surprise round. It does seem like they are mustering forward. You see them clutching tight their weapons and and looking down in your guys' direction. Let's go to turn one, Nack feldspar.
4: So, Nack is going to move just slightly down here. Sorry, I need to do a little math to make sure I'm in
0: Mm. range. To the front of the pack of everyone? Oh
4: uh, shoot! Uh, actually, I'm not going to get that far because uh, I don't have much. I don't have many move left. So he's going oh, to no. uh, he, he's going to crouch uh, just to to mm-hmm. get down, uh, see if he can block some some other shots. And he is going to quick draw his hailstorm zero pistol that he has had in <laughs> reserve for a while. And, okay, uh, that is what he is going to do for now. And
0: it's one four seven back to you. All right. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm gonna concentrate fire over that on that one over on the uh, the, the right one you've side. hit. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to this time. I'm gonna this time. I'm just gonna take two normal shots. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shoot twice. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. That one's only a nineteen on EAC. Are they still flat footed? Uh, they are. That is a miss though. Okay. Uh, even lower. Oh, man. Oh, oh the, the curse has caught up to Andis.
3: They're I, I told me. you, Andis, you're a fool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the hallway lights up with plasma bolts just whizzing by their heads. Oh, no. Adros Varanis. Varanti, to you. Uh, Raimi
3: told Adros to move up next to him. So that's what Adros does.
0: Mm. And any any standard action?
3: Uh, yeah. Why not? Let's let's throw a grenade. I'm sure I've got a grenade somewhere around in here. Okay. Do you have <laughs> an
2: extra healing serum or something that you could use? Uh those are for the weak. So um, you
0: you can throw a grenade about as far as you can uh, see it. You'll have to be able to see the the point on the ground, and I don't think you can see these guys yet unless you have a something you know has a, a long, uh, dark vision, long radius. You do sixty foot, right?
3: Yeah. Is it, oh, is it, is it oh, I see a
0: Looks like you're currently with Raimi about 80 or 90 feet. Mmm. So I can't see him. Grrr. No, you haven't seen him yet. You're just going off what uh, the androids told you. Uh,
3: dink. Well, then... Then I got nothing. If I can't see him, I have to be next to Raimi. I don't. Then there's no
0: mm-hmm. standard action I can do. Alindra Vallis, on to you.
1: All right, I could rush these guys, but it looks like the rest of my team wants to lure them down the hall. Thoughts? I, I uh,
0: that, that was, was that was my thought. That was my thought uh, because yeah, one of us could. Re- Run out there, but then the rest of us would have to spend three turns catching up, right? (laughs) Yeah,
4: I I would. I I, I, I say we go slow and steady to get down there. I have something that will hopefully keep them pinned down where they are for a few minutes
3: while we get you. You you see, Adros look at you, and he says, "I don't know. Good luck with that."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. All right. Um, All right. So I. Oh, by the way, I'm photon attuned, and I think I'll just move down the hallway. I'll just go my minimum, like my, my normal speed down the hallway, 40 feet. Okay. and oh, okay.
0: Half the distance between you and the Bacalks.
1: Yeah, and I... Mm, yeah, yeah. I, that's all I can do. Yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay there and ready my solar weapon.
2: All ready, and Raimi Quindar. All right, so Raimi's going to mosey up to, to Idras. We're like, all right, buddy. I'm going to turn to invisible, so don't freak out. Be calm and uses uh, greater invisibility. <laughs> OK, ooh, saving these for the last
0: minute. And Adros disappears the same magical kind of techno magic smoke you've seen used a few times before. Now has calm, Adros, calm. It is the enemy's turn. They're moving forward just slightly until they can see a couple of you. And they're gonna take some shots. Let's see, they can see currently, it looks like Alindra, Nack, and Andes. No. Oh, no, they can see, well, this one can see everyone, the one that's moved furthest forward. Can they even see a uh, a Raimi in the back standing in front of uh, invisible Andros? Let's see here. We'll take a shot at Alindra first. Alindra, what is your case?
1: 27.
0: I've rolled, I've rolled a 10, uh, so I've got a hit. And once again, you have I think you've taken a shot from these before. The ammo does feel gross. It feels like uh, a sickening darkness is kind of taken over this wound. let damage first. Uh, that is 23 points of damage. Uh, piercing damage from this combat rifle, and I need you to make a fortitude save for me.
1: Ooh, not great. 18.
0: 18's enough, unfortunately. Yes,
1: oh, <sighs> yeah.
0: uh, nine Very on welcome. the dice will do it. And I've got uh, a couple of options here for the next shot. And it's 147, of course, the one that <laughs> shot, shot at its friend. So let me take a shot here. Mm. Uh, five on the dice. That is going to be a mess. Pretty sure. What's your 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 KAC? KAC is twenty-eight. Oh, gross. Okay, yeah. Miss. Miss, miss, miss. And then it's on to the big guy, the gate crasher. And he's gonna spend his entire turn walking. Run forward to Alindra. Hey! Oh no! <laughs> right up to her. And that is their turn going into turn two next.
4: All right. Well, I had something I was going to do, but then I forgot about the big guy. So, big guy, let's go ahead and say I get think him.
0: everyone can see everyone now. We're all within 60 feet. So get him on the big one.
4: Get him on the big one. And, uh, hey, big guy, let's see if your bark is worse than your bite. Clever faint.
0: Ho-ho. Got it exactly.
4: Excellent. All right. So now that so he is now flat footed, clever fainted.
0: Awesome. Oh, yep. Got the the full invoice spread there. (laughs) Uh,
4: So right then, I'm going to quick draw my Paragon semi-auto pistol to fire at this fainted big guy here.
0: dual wielding
4: pistols. Yeah. So that's 32 to hit. 30. Uh, I'm sorry. 34 to hit.
0: Yeah. Including some. Yeah. That guy is very hit for 16 damage. Oh all my good. goodness. He's dead. You did it. Hey, yeah.
4: <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I knew it.
0: Uh, no, no. It uh, seems to bounce right through its body and it gives you no mind. We're on to Andis one, four, seven, all three targets. Now you see clear as day in front of you. All right, let's see here. I'm going to, I'm going to take a move action to, oh gosh, I can only maintain it against two of them. I'm going to shoot the gate crasher twice. With this Uh-oh. thing? Oh, you think you're gonna be able to hit my big big bad boy? <laughs> that's that's my hope. Here we go. Uh, alrighty. So I've rolled a twenty one versus EAC. Flat footed EAC. Twenty-one! EAC. Oh, that would be a miss. If you had also rolled a higher number, but it is definitely a miss. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and my second one is even lower, so we don't even have to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, we can, because you rolled excellent damage on that one. Yeah, Nope, don't need to talk about that. We <laughs> sure been, don't even need to talk so about good. it. Edros, for honest, we're on to you. You're invisible now. You have the whole world as your oyster, and you can definitely do things. What do you want to do?
3: Edros runs to the escape pod and leaves. Yeah. Ah! Never! He would never do that. Uh, no, takes Adros all says, three of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, he does. <laughs> he puts his guns in one, his armor in another, and he goes in the last one he wants, and he be extra safe. No, Adros, Adros says, Oh, um, Andis Raimi, would, uh, would a flash grenade affect these crazy weird guys? I have a flash grenade. I want to throw it. But they're undead. I don't know if it affects them. Right. I'm bad at the mysticism skill. Well,
0: but what do flash grenades do? I forget. They blind. <laughs> they
3: blind. They blind things.
0: Uh, that's a great question, uh, Patrick. My vast knowledge of undead. Do they blind things, um... or do uh, undead get blinded? <laughs> Does it blind? blind <laughs> of undead grenades that
3: I know about.
0: I believe we know for a fact that. They are immune to fortitude saves. The flash grenade is a reflex save. There is nothing in undead immunities that but stops blinded. them from being blinded, yeah. Okay, um, cool. But they cannot be blinded by fortitude save effects. I see, I right, thumbs up at Idras.
3: All right, I've held on to this for way too long. And Adras moves up, wants to be in easy lobbing range. <laughs> so Adras is gonna move forward just a few feet and these guys have formed almost a nice circle in the hallway and he's going to toss this grenade right in the middle of them. And so this should affect all of these undead bad guys.
0: Yeah. The, the flash grenade uh Mark two is a 10 foot, not radius, but square, right? Correct. I believe it, it, is correct. It's a square. I think you can hit two of them.
3: Uh It is. It says explode blinded. One D four rounds, 10 feet.
0: Yeah, so 10 be. feet, you should be able to get everybody targeting it on the corner of the gate crasher. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, kind of a perfect cross that they're standing in. The uh, yep. Not too much in your way. Go ahead and make that attack roll. Okay, here's my throw attack. Okay. And I've rolled a
3: 16, a 34. I'm sure that does it. Uh,
0: 100%. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but... I will say the DC here is pretty low. So I don't
0: have a, a lot of hope here. So let me first roll for the big This It's one that's been damaged already. 17 on the dice has made it. They pass. The one in the back, a 19 on the dice. Made it. And let's Waste of time. Let's go for that gatecrasher see how he's doing. He's got a better reflex. 13 on the dice has made it. This is why
3: grenades are stupid.
0: <laughs> uh, Alindra not blinded though you've, you've uh, put it precisely where uh, she's able to look away very easily without taking any uh, uh, retina damage uh, speaking of Alindra, Becca it's your turn you've got this uh, giant undead Vesk on top of you, you didn't get a piece of the other one, is this, is this gonna be <laughs> a yeah. time to shine.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I was thinking about doing something else, but I think I'm just gonna full attack. Oh boy! And he came and stood next to me. He he deserves it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the thing is actually pretty slow. It had a run up to you.
1: I <laughs> know it went out of its way. I feel like I should like honor that, you know, and like hit him really hard. All right, so number one. Oh, not great. That's a <laughs> twenty one with Gidim.
0: Oh boy, even with flat-footed, that's
1: a miss. Ooh, And number two, okay, that's a little better. That'll be a 30. That's
0: a lot better, that's a hit.
1: (laughs) Awesome, so that'll be with photon attunement, that will be a 52 damage.
0: Wow, okay, so it is hurt by that one. You see a massive wound open up in its chest from Alindra's Salarian Blade. That is your turn, bringing us to Rami Quindar.
2: All right. Uh, so, which one of these fellows did Andis initially hurt? Was it the, the one? one that's right in front of me? Yeah, the one closest
0: to you. Uh, yeah, it's still about. Um, it's about sixty feet away, so you can see it with your
2: dark vision. Cool. Well, I am going to fire my artillery release rifle at it.
0: All righty. No um, shooting through friendly uh, cover because it draws us invisible.
2: It's a 32 to hit. Hit for 27 points of damage.
0: Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Okay. Uh yeah, so that one not looking too good, taking a couple of massive blasts. It is their turn, and they all have they all have a target now. Now that the gate crasher is on the scene, let's try for these bayhawks again. This one that you've just hit, gonna gonna shoot right back at you. Single shot. Oh, my goodness. Three on the dice. Uh, way <laughs> to end this campaign. Two can yes. miss this game. <laughs> uh, what's your, what is your KAC, Miles? All right. Uh, my KAC is 29. Definitely, miss. Definite miss on the three. Uh, this other one is either going to shoot at Andis or Alendra, who's closest to him. Let's see who they want to fight at. Oh, we're going for Alindra again. Another shot at Alindra. Right in front of this one. 10 on the dice is a hit. And the damage is pretty average. Spread 21 points piercing damage. But Alindra, I need you to indeed make another fortitude save.
1: All right. God. Yes! Oh, Disgusting.
0: yes. A one would really help me out right now, Rebecca. You're doing your GM is solid. A natural tw- 20 is a save, and uh, the giant undead vest is going to bring its swoop hammer down on you. Hopefully, get a little bit of that luck you guys seem to be having. Let's make this giant swing attack against Alindra. Currently, you're two for two on swoop hammer crits. Ooh, not this time. Five on the dice. I think that's. Still a hit. Please Seriously? don't be a hit. Oh, no. Yes. Still a hit. No. But not, no critical. Let's get another. This is 3d10 with a swoop hammer. And that is 31 points of bludgeoning damage. See so it? brings it down on you trying to crack armor you like an egg basically and that is their turn turn three. Oh geez uh knack felt bar are you
4: all right uh the big guy seems to be posing the most threat right now so we're gonna once again get him and we're gonna try to clever attack one more time uh what a nice swoop hammer it'd be a shame if you just dented the side of the ship clever feint say 28
0: That is not enough. It will be enough with your expertise bonus. I imagine you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you roll the one, that's enough. Nice. So this guy still got him. Uh, Do you want to make a shot?
4: I do. I want to shoot him with my Paragon semi-auto pistol. That is a 21 to hit.
0: 21 against... KAC is a miss. Yeah, um, I figured. With all your fun bonuses, <laughs> this one's a little harder to hit. And us one four seven onto you. Still in the back, still with a pretty good view of most of these combatants. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try to just go ahead and take down the the one that I've been shooting. Uh, the uh, the Baycock gotcha. that uh, Remy just shot at. So mm-hmm. Try to try to put that put that one on down. We're just gonna take the single shot, but we're gonna. Boosted. Boosted. Single shot. Boosted. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's it cursed. Is. the cursed just, weapon. Just, One of on the dice. I've
3: told, told you so many times. Critical. I can make this work. I can make it work.
0: If you guys are listening at home, this weapon's only been on the podcast for like three episodes. (laughs) Three critical fails with it across two characters. That sounds like a curse to me. I don't
4: know. (laughs) It really does sound cursed.
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's see who we've got going on here on CosmicCrit.com. You can find our electronic critical fail deck. This one is submitted by... Uh, I don't think we've ever got this. Uh, Karo Cogtatus. It's called Neutrino Burst Overload. Your weapon overpowers, causing double damage, but the recoil throws off your aim. Make a second attack roll at a random target, allies, enemies, and yourself oh. included. Oh, no. <laughs> no, a, no, a crit uh, or no. natural one is ignored. Bert, I have right. very... Very serious things to say to you right now. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry, Nick. Okay, I'm okay. I'm gonna just gonna number them like uh, Nack is number one. Uh, I'm number two. Adras is three. Adras isn't in this party. He's they're invisible. I can see his heat signature. <laughs> oh, being I can, see, I can see him clear as day. <laughs> <laughs> this can murder. Him. <laughs> I i him down, invisible. Uh, right, yes, and then uh, yeah. Let's, let's so go the, down the, from the top because uh, right. Ramy could be the, in this too. Uh, from the top, one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I seven, was, I was seven, just going to go down the, the turn order, just like well, you do. Does that sound good? Well, we got the enemies too, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like I mean, yeah. Six, seven, eight. Let's so like in the order right. that you run them. Six, seven, eight. These bad boys getting hit. Oh no. Oh no, oh. <laughs> Lindra. I'm so sorry. Oh no. <laughs> So, All you right. do have to make an attack roll. Now, if you miss this, you miss her. So, go ahead and roll that one more time. Alright, one more again. Oh, boy! Uh, That's gonna be a miss, right? That would be a miss, yeah. Yes. Five on the dice? Yes. Oh, boy. Hang on, you wait, foiled just... the fan's terrible, terrible <laughs> crit. Yeah, that would have been, uh, like, 72 damage. <laughs> um, oh! <laughs> this thing is so... Um, Let's go on Let's leave the bad taste of that out of our mouth Edros Varanis, back to you
3: Alright, Edros, still invisible He is going to move in between all the enemies
0: Mm. Want to make a stealth check for me?
3: Sure, why not? He never gets to make skill checks This can be be his skill check Is this with a uh, plus 20?
0: Uh, Yes, yeah You're moving quickly here See if they can see where you are I have rolled a 36. It would be great if you rolled really low on that one. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that is enough. They do not sense your presence and are aware of your location for a potential attack of opportunity. And you move right up to this back, the cock right in perfect flanking position between all three of these combatants. If they could see you. (laughs) Um, I know, right? And what do you want to do? Standard action.
3: Uh, Adros picked up a Red Star Plasma Sword from the last encounter.
0: Oh, from Saravox themselves.
3: Yes. And he is going to use it against the Gatecrasher.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Trying to help out. He saw Alindra take a bad hit. This guy, he knows firsthand how dangerous these Gatecrasher's are. So he's going to help out. And I have rolled a... Ooh. Eight on the dice. That's a 27. Plus, get him is 29. Uh, that's a hit. Pretty good damage. I rolled two eights, 45 points of damage, split between electricity and
0: fire. Uh, yeah, this guy, it looks like it goes right through armor and undead flesh. Maybe burst some bones in its chest cavity. This thing is looking bloodied. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that brings us to Alindra Vallas, Oh, no.
1: Okay, <laughs> oh, so Alindra is going to use her move action to spend an RP to return 36 points of HP to herself.
0: Oh, okay. Yay.
1: Yay for, wife. Yay
0: for uh, Alindra.
1: By the way, that critical fail could totally have just completely obliterated Alindra, so <laughs> thank you. <goodness. laughs> um,
0: Curse gun. Okay. <laughs>
1: seriously throw it to the ground right now um okay so i am that was my move action but i am fully attuned so i'm going to use a 10 foot supernova which will not hit Adros. Well, you have no will idea hit where the big where, guy
0: no idea where a is but well
1: i'm hoping it won't hit a i <laughs> hope that he was smart enough to realize that i was fully photon attuned
0: yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, you, the 15 could hit this other Baycock. Do you, you think you would not pick to hit both of them? Oh, no. Oh <laughs> He's gosh. totally right.
1: are totally oh, gosh.
0: right. Yeah, I'm oh. sorry, you guys. Invisibility works both ways.
1: Wait, so I, can, I, I for, didn't, like, I feel I him rush by it. me?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, why don't you make a perception check? See if you can beat Adros' 36. <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh you
0: <laughs> just get it
4: yes. just yes.
0: to feel him rumble the uh, the <laughs> giant um, metal grates underneath your feet. Uh, okay, you're pretty awesome. So sure he is so, yeah. in front of you. He could be anywhere. He could be standing right in front of you.
1: I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and just. Hit the big guy what? with my it's, supernova.
0: <laughs> and still just blast him if he's right there. Uh, I'm
1: pretty sure he went down the hallway. Uh, we'll see. All right. So supernova 53, unless he makes the DC.
0: Unfortunately, Adros was one foot closer <gasps> no. than you knew. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be too good. That would be so evil.
0: Uh, what do you roll here, damage-wise?
1: 53.
0: Okay, so a reflex save from the gate crasher. Great reflex. I roll the two though, so full yes! damage.
1: Yes! Natural toot, yes! Oh,
0: geez. Natural toot!
1: Come on. I think I did 53 the last turn too. Yeah. So. Get it
2: together, Team Evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Remy Quindar. Miles, back to you. All right, so uh, I'm gonna st- uh, fire at the same cocks.
0: Already, single shot?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, that's twenty four against EAC. Twenty five. Twenty five. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know if you get the, the coordinated shot once again when oh. you're invisible. You're probably. Yeah. <laughs> I keep
3: forgetting I'm invisible.
0: You yeah. probably have to see me. Um, that is a hit. Awesome for twenty seven points of damage. Ouch. Okay, this one not looking too good. This one immediately to the left of. Uh, takes another shot. <laughs> you can see just burning through bones and, and melting away bits of its armor. It is their turn, though. Mm. I'll make some perception checks real quick again. Oh, natural One on one of these. That's great. Oh, awesome. Um, the giant vest that you hit uh, does seem to know your location and is definitely going to try and hit you. am going to move back. And brings that hammer down right in your square. Let's see. Let's see what happens. 11 on the dice is a hit. I get to roll a 50 50 mischance, though. As your viz, it knows your, your general whereabouts, but it misses somewhere in that five foot square. Roll a D100, folks. Let's see what happens. Uh-oh. Oh, 55 oh, on a D100. On. Oh, you missed the swoop hammer, didn't you, Tyler? Yes. yes. All day long you missed it. You get Let's a new one. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, by the end of this campaign, you'll be plus one swoop hammer if you survive. <laughs> okay. 3D10 coming at you. Oh, I'm luckily I have the force field up, so yeah, pretty lame damage here. This is only 31 points of bludgeoning. Oh,
3: okay. The swoop hammer or the swoop hammer, Ugh, the force field soaks up 20 of that, okay, leaving me with 11. And my DR will soak mm-hmm. up the rest of it, meaning take no damage. Yeah,
0: yes. so it brings down the hammer on your location, and uh, you all can see this quite clearly. The hammer just kind of like. Hanging in the air and like bouncing backwards a little bit, uh, as <laughs> y- you're pretty sure Edros Ed has just been struck, struck fully. The uh, Baycocks are are taking a look at targets down here, and Edros, if you'd like to take a reaction attack, one of them is indeed firing at your good friend Knack Feldspar. I would love to, please. Oh, I definitely hit it. Mm-hmm.
3: Thirty-seven on the dice there, and a thirty-seven points of damage.
0: Thirty-sevens, twinsies. Uh, okay. It is. It is still up after that. You see, it is. One arm looks broken. Uh, it's nearly limping to the ground, but it's still gonna take an attack here. I can snack. Eight on the dice. What is your KAC trip?
4: My KAC is twenty-eight.
0: You are hit, Drew. Uh, a spidly eight on the dice. Uh, let's get some damage, but let's also do a fortitude save for fun. Uh, let's see. You have taken twenty-two points of damage. Fortitude save. Oh, you're fine. Roll the fourteen. Uh, this dark necrotic energy kind of taking over the wound, uh, but you feel feel a-okay and able to fight onward.
4: How much damage is this- that?
0: 22 points of piercing. This other Baycock is looking at uh, what is happening in front of it. Doesn't seem to realize where you are at or Doesn't want to take that shot, but is indeed going to guard it step backwards. And it's okay. going to let out a Dread Howl. This is another one of its supernatural abilities that is only going to affect, as per the, the radius here, uh, Alindra and Edross. I need both of you to make a fortitude save for me.
3: Oh, Dross
0: is going to be using that eel jacket. Don't jungle. What would you,
1: know. well, you
3: roll?
0: natural toot. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And Rebecca, what'd you get?
1: Uh, 16. Not great.
0: Uh, no eel jacket for Alindra. The DC of this is DC 16, though. Fortitude. <gasps> yes. uh. Lame. Ooh. Wait I need then. you guys to start rolling them those I'm doing my best. <laughs> that's, their, thank you for, that's their turn. Turn forward. So, Nak, before your turn, the, the lights in this corridor turn on, but it sees, you know, like black, horrific strobe patterns aboard the ship. And another emergency warning is broadcast over open channels with a very robotic Yoxian voice calling out,
2: Gravitational anomaly
0: detected. Race for loss of artificial gravity. So things are going to get a little weird on this turn because I finally rolled uh, th- this random chance as you feel, you know, kind of like a jump, a lurch in your stomach as standard gravity begins to slip away beneath your feet and comes back like with full force. And this is a random roll to see what kind of bad things happen on oh, this no. turn. And I've rolled, let's roll this dice here. Uh, so the gravity begins again, and you feel just, uh, it's impacted like thrice fold. Each footstep feels like you're climbing up a mountain, and this is high gravity effect. That does a few things. It's gonna reduce your movement speed this turn. You can only jump about half as far, uh, lift half as much and fly maneuverability is down. It's very difficult.
4: All right, Knack would once again like to say get him against the big Vesk, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, it is... We're going to try to clever feint it one more time uh, just because... uh, Hey, big guy, it looks like you're bleeding a little bit. You need a napkin? It's a 24. Not going to be enough.
0: Not enough at all. I'm going to
4: re-roll that.
0: Re-roll the... uh, Four on the dice? That's a yep. great idea. <laughs> it's a 39. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll be enough. Yeah,
4: 19. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to shoot this guy in his pronging face, semi auto pistol. Ooh. Natural 20! Yes!
2: yes! Nice.
0: Nice. Wow. Uh, yeah. That is a crit. Crit on it. Ooh, boy, got some damage here. What's what's your max damage? Uh,
4: so that is going to be uh, 21. It looks like I rolled 22 on the crits. so that'll be 43 <laughs> points of damage.
0: It looks like it's about to just lift its hammer again and drop it, but uh, the bullet goes right through its uh, dead brain pan, and you see it kind of, like, fumble around and then fall to the ground. <gasps> Uh, that is almost exactly the amount of points it had. Yes! <laughs> well done. Yes! Uh, it had 35 left. Crit will do it, as they say. If, if you crit, you must kill it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as 147, you got one less target here. It's your turn. All righty. Let's see. I'm going to shoot at the Big Hawk to Edras' left. Single shot? Yep. Okay, it's looking really weak right now. Yep, that's a 18 on. Um, yeah, 18 all together. Oh, just throw this gun out the, the nearest <laughs> <laughs> um, portal. Maybe put it in the other escape pod and make it someone else's problem. Yes. <laughs> Nothing in the universe. Well, I don't know. I don't even think if uh, it had been getting and knackified hit, sadly. Eddros Fronis, you are invisible. You got these two guys near. near. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. Uh,
3: Adras is there's a guy there's a there's a Bacock right next to Adras and he's not looking very good. Uh, so Adros's plan is to try and drop him with a single attack and then move behind the other Bacock for flanking. Even though he doesn't, maybe he doesn't understand that if he's invisible, he doesn't get the fight. Fucking- you don't understand <laughs> invisibility at all, apparently. No, no, no adras doesn't, he doesn't understand it at all. He's trying to do all the normal things he does when he's visible. I don't think he understands what greater invisibility is. <laughs> Why aren't they attacking me?
0: I'm really messing <laughs> them up right
3: now. <laughs> Uh, exactly so but that that's what he would do let's just do a single attack against this one very weak one to your side yes hopefully this will be enough hopefully i roll well here mm, he um didn't. i
0: did not but he oh, is flat-footed really really, really bad attack that that will help you out let's see is it gonna so be enough what'd you roll
3: 23 against eac that's a hit 38 points of damage
0: <laughs> why is that a question mark?
3: it's a hope it's like that's how <laughs> that much health he had
0: oh he had he had a lot less hit points than that yes. one's dead now too yes. Yes. Okay. yeah yeah baby gonna make a move
3: action to get behind this and he's gonna be like Alindra let's flank him
0: uh, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. this someone does not uh, doesn't seem to notice you. Still aiming down the hallway, Alindra Valus, we're on to you. This one looks like it's aiming in your direction. You're the closest one to it.
1: Um, Alindra's like Adras, I hear you, but I I don't see you. I okay. Um, so she runs down the hallway <laughs> in front of the Baycock on the other side, but she doesn't know that she's on the other side from Adras. She doesn't know where Adras is.
0: So Alindra, what is your move speed? Is you're still. on high gravity effect
1: it is ordinarily 40 um, and I have 20 feet that I want to go okay well that's ex-
0: <laughs> almost exactly half so awesome. uh, it, it's yeah it's very heavy to get there you know a little more difficult to lift your arms up but you can go at this Baycock
1: and she's going to attack it Jeez, that's a 33 to attack
0: yeah that's a hit <laughs> by and yourself you need no one help
1: 53 damage? Oh! That's 53 damage like three turns in a row. Yeah, that is. It's your lucky number. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Raimi Quindar, I think you're out of range of seeing this fight going on down the hallway. What do you want to do? I guess uh, move up. Moving forward to see.
4: Moving on up.
0: You need to move forward just a little bit to get within range of this Baycock uh, with the heavy gravity. You're what? Yeah. You have 30-foot movement? Uh, I
2: believe I think I have 35. Okay, I still of
0: that. You can just get within 60 feet. Okay, cool. Stop here right by Andis. Go ahead and make your attack roll. Within 60 feet here, yeah, you see Alindra uh, fighting against this uh, this last undead. All right, well, I'll take a shot at him. It's shooting through your, your friends, recover Whatever. Oh boy, yeah. that's a t- uh, that's a 21. A mm. lot of terrible numbers. <laughs> attack rolls here. That's a miss, even against the AC. Oh no. Boo! Well, it gets gets a turn, but uh, yeah, it is. Oh boy. Both Alindra and Ed Ross can make an attack of opportunity.
1: Oh no. What? Gladly.
0: It's flying straight up, 30 feet.
3: You go high, I go low.
1: <laughs> the 24 to attack.
0: And a 30 to attack. So a terrible idea. These are both hits.
1: <laughs> yes! We <laughs> rolled the, the same damage! damage. <laughs> we yeah, rolled 90 damage altogether. Damage,
4: buddies! <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, no. You, you rolled 45. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, no. Rebecca no. and draws 42. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. It's still a pitch. <laughs> oh! It's very wow. hurt. <laughs> this is a terrible idea, but it gets out of your guys's reach, hopefully at the top of this cavern. Uh, the Baycock is nearly dead from your attacks, but does fly just straight up, very clumsily in the high gravity, and... Is gonna make a single attack. Yet somebody can see? I think almost everyone here, except for, it can see everyone. So let's let's do a random random attack. I'll wait it a little bit on Alindra and Ed. No, no, I can't even see it. At draw. So let's do a a d8 with uh, with the top half being Alindra because it wants to <laughs> it wants to very much hit them. Yes. So Alindra is. Just gonna point right back down at you and uh, give you another shot from its gun. Ten on the dice. We've determined that is a hit. So go get give me that fortitude save. Let's damage dice. Okay,
1: it's an eleven. Ah, oh,
0: Rebecca, Ooh.
1: that's gonna oh. fail. Oh.
0: Rebecca, I love you. Thank you so much. Um,
1: <laughs> don't <laughs> worry
0: too much about my damage roll. Oh,
1: uh,
0: yeah, I've rolled three ones. <laughs>
4: oh, <laughs>
3: oh, oh, oh,
4: oh, oh. Why? Yes. What is
3: going
0: on? <laughs> so, uh, minimum damage of 12 piercing. But the good news get to roll d three here. Six. Three. Uh, you are paralyzed for three rounds. Oh! Boy, nice. it's wow. Fuse ammunition. Now, if I do that to everyone else in turn. This guy will survive. Ooh, turn five, Nack Feldspar. we are back to you. This thing is flying up in the air now. Still in the effects of high gravity, as uh, it seems like the ship is just kind of lurching closer to perhaps the, the plane where the, the stellar degenerator is. It feels like the ship is like kind of accelerating, I guess, upwards towards the top decks. Uh, what would you like to do?
4: You know, you never know if this is going to be the last time you say something. But get him! And mm-hmm. hey, Bony, you might want to turn that jetpack off. You're just burning through fuel. Clever, faint. Twenty-five. That is not enough. I'm gonna re-roll that. Thirty-four. That is enough. All it's more right. Like it. And we are gonna try to pop this dude right out of the sky with the Paragon semi-auto pistol. Here we go. Please fail. That is thirty-five to hit. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to take that again?
0: <laughs> uh, no, it's it's perfect that uh, he, Tyler has has messed up the perhaps last shot of this AP as that is enough to drop this guy. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes! Heavy gravity down to the floor. Four hit points left. So. I I didn't think that was a second opportunity. We're gonna be that bad.
4: Got melee characters,
0: and we are out of combat.
4: Yes. <sighs> not
1: got so two paralyzed.
3: of these guys.
4: Yes.
0: yes. Alindra, snap out of it! <laughs> snap out of it,
3: Alindra.
1: I think you're gonna have to pick her up and carry her, Joss.
3: <laughs> All right, I got this. Let's go, guys. Run. <laughs> we're, we're running. We're you. Alindra, by the way, you just see
4: Alindra float in floating the in the air, and the and air and like a witch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can pick her up pretty easily um and you see down at the the dying baycock's head which is nearly snapped off its neck it seems to be uh you know the jaw moving whispering something into perhaps a comm unit and it's only a few seconds later that there's an army of red lights in the corridor behind you maybe too far away to to see darkness there but you can tell that it's dozens of corpse fleet security robots marching in your direction uh oh yeah we're running and run you shall, but uh, as you do, this just erupts in a blaze of energy weapons fire as uh, you know that they have integrated static arc rifles. So these blue shots illuminate the hallway, just a sea of blue death. Seems like they can't really see you as they're still perhaps under the effect of the, the virus right. that, uh, <laughs> that they installed. Nice. But uh, yeah, there's, there's enough uh, hot electricity being shot down this hallway. I need everyone to make a reflex. Lyndra, watch Ooh. your step.
3: Uh, Lyndra is paralyzed and on my shoulders, so <laughs> right. I don't think it will count. <laughs> Edras, watch your step. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: Just please don't put Alindra in the null space c- chamber. I don't, I don't trust that thing. <laughs> Honestly, oh, right that's down. a great
3: idea, Alindra. Honestly,
4: Alindra in, in the null space chamber would be easier to carry and you wouldn't have to yes. make those reflex safes. <laughs>
0: yes, this is a good point. I will do that on my next
4: turn.
1: Do you need one for me since Adras is carrying me?
0: Uh, please do. It's like a, a luck tax more than anything. Uh, 18 on the dice, Rebecca. Yeah, so this was uh, DC 18 just dip and dive out of the way of some of these shots. They seem to be coming in waves, but uh, everyone will take a half damage. Oh boy, it's very low. Everyone's taking five points of electricity damage. As you continue running down the corridor, it's only about 200 feet between you and safety, and I think, let's see, Alindra and dross are getting out of there in this first turn. I think everyone else it's going to take just one more turn. So, oh, no. Ramy, Andis, and Nat, give me one more save. Oh,
2: boy. I think I all three I'm think going to pass this two times in a row. <laughs> Raimi, watch <laughs> your step. Oh, oh. Oh. You rolled really well. I'm watching all them steps. I'm moonwalking. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, oh, there's a lot more damage this time. So, it's nine points, but that will get you to the small room. It opens up a, a, like almost a small hangar bay where you see three out of like five remaining lifeboats, pods, primed, ready for use, and you guys can run in. uh, Let's see where that that gets everyone. Everyone's down here in this room now, jumping in, I imagine, to to the pod.
3: Yes. Adros jumps in and, Im- and immediately puts Elydra in a null space chamber.
0: Elydra's <laughs> back. She, she's only paralyzed for like a few no, seconds.
2: No, okay, she okay. had
3: one more round. It's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I, can't, I can't risk her
4: being injured. She must go
3: in I, to the null I'm space good, chamber. I'm good, Adros.
1: Just put me down. No. Please just put me Alindra's down.
3: Elydra's no, head is please. poking
4: out of the null space chamber. <laughs> just...
3: I I had an oxygen candle and everything. I'm I'm really bummed out, but okay.
0: Gravity is still going wild here. You can feel yourself being pulled in all directions, but as you strap into this escape ship, you can tell it's indeed of pretty ancient Eoxian design, still open to the vacuum of space, you sit down, hit the button, and it rockets out of the Empire of Bones and into the Ether. And you see it uh, from below the, the starboard side, this ultra colossal dreadnought. It is cruising through towards the singularity of the demoplane of the 13th Gate. And you see its metallic superstructure just vibrating like it was, you know, ripples on the surface of a pond. The intrusion into that magical space warping space-time, and you see light rays from the suns on the opposite side of this dim plane bend around and shine in your faces, blinding you for just a moment. And it's only a few minutes later that there is a massive shockwave. A light brighter than any sun you've ever seen. Every one of you is forced to close your eyes, kind of turn your head away, for this light is way too intense. Everyone except Andis, as with those eyes of Rian, you are able to automatically filter out that massive light bomb, kind of go subspectrum, and uh, get to observe maybe something that no one else in the the galaxy will have ever observed ever again. And you're you catch the initial impact between these two gargantuan vessels. This is awesome, guys, you should watch this. Look at it, look at it, open your eyes up, look at it. Why are you looking away? Look, it's the best thing. Yeah, You're perfect. missing it. Your corneas, just take a peek. It's worth it, look at it. <laughs> um, this is just for androids, everyone look away. <laughs> you get to see them smush together and then this explosion of the Empire of Bones engine core. The the light show subsides after a moment, and you can all witness the Stellar Degenerator seems to be boiling and growing these large welts along... it's many miles along its core and those turn into these massive explosions along its surface and a minute later the entire demoplane is just bathed in fire and light it's impossibly black there and you see probably uh, something once again almost no one in the galaxy has seen before the implosion of like a a supernova inside this small demoplane all of a sudden its inky black edges begin to shatter you see reality Tries to grasp with these rapid changes in the system and can't keep up. The two ships fuse into this ball of plasma and fire greater than the ancient energies that the two weapons platforms were built upon. They multiply with one another and the shockwave ripples out across the cosmos, rocking your small lifeboats and blowing up tons of ships (laughs) elsewhere. And it's a few minutes later that you do indeed get a call over open comms. Friendly goblin voice calls out to you.
4: Did somebody order bum fuzzle delivery service? One, one drift rider, perfect condition,
0: not banged up at all. No, no bent wings or anything. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. One last time. Since motive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think they hit a tree like you know, <laughs> the point it's always, like immediately on takeoff they just like backed it into the structure and like oh, oh, oh.
4: captain, permission to dock
0: with your lifeboat and
1: get the heck out of here. I've never been so happy to see you or hear your voice. Yes, absolutely permission. It's
0: this time to talk about a race.
1: <laughs> no, we'll talk about that later, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: yeah, you guys can make your way from the lifeboat on board the drift rider the the space that existed between the 12 stars of the system is almost completely gone the explosions that you uh, see now are just these small pockets of Yoxine vessels that were close to this blast just going critical themselves they took too much damage and they're just twinkling out of existence (laughs) as their dark engines go cold explosions the demoplane and the Stellar Degenerator are completely gone. They, they've they destroyed themselves, and there's atomized bits of the vessel in its wake, and the stars twinkle in time with these smaller explosions of the ships, and you see these purple and green pinpricks of light as the rest of the Corpse Fleet Armada rev up their drift engines and escape the system. And all of this took place in about a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, set the ship to to crash into the Stellar Degenerator. And now, yeah, uh, 30 minutes later, this entire system is cold, dead, quiet again. And you're all bereft to scan with the Drift Rider a, a single portion of the Stellar Degenerator larger than a bread box <laughs> floating in space. And you can take some time, collect yourselves, but eventually you realize your task is Done, and the camera pulls out, and we watch the Drift Riders engines warming up. It's Drift Engine initiate, jump into that spaceway. The gateway of the 12 suns once more rests, but this time for good, as its ancient threat to the universe, is vanquished for all. The explosion of the system and the stellar degenerator can be seen a hundred years later on a far off planet called Griloda Three, and it was observed during that planet's people's millennial celebration. The Grilodians would see it as a blessing by their gods as it ushered in a period of peace known as the Silver Centuries. A venerable elder of over 170 years, known the greatest philosopher of the era, gave a speech later during that celebration. It's one the Grelodian schoolchildren would learn for generations to come. In it, she said this quote, While outside their control, sometimes the fates align to produce order from chaos, and the universe balances itself. When we gaze into the cosmos, we think we see permanence. In truth, we are all but a passing shadow behind the flame, our lives a story told whatever relative time we have. Our lives, like those stones beneath our feet, all have their story to tell. And like us, eventually that story will contain a place in time to be concluded. And that is the end of Empire of Bones, book six.
1: Well, guys. We won. won. Uh. Yeah, yeah,
0: you won. Congratulations, Rebecca. I can now officially congratulate you all. We tried to pull out some stops there at the end, but you just, just survived this entire adventure path. I guess you could say we we built ourselves a stellar degenerator degenerator. <laughs> you have to leave that in. You have to leave that in. It's in my contract. I don't think I need to do anything. I'm not the boss of you anymore. I mean, you guys are it's- done. We...
3: We started this with the idea that we were just, you know, fixing a gang turf war, maybe (laughs) Uh, a disagreement between a mining company and a, a huge corporation. And now we're floating in the middle of the vast after watching something that will probably never be seen again. That, that is a pretty cool story.
0: Yeah, I, I could have done with six entire books of Absalom Station gang warfare, <laughs> but I guess it was cool how it ended up here at the end. Uh, I uh, I mean, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised the every single turn that these books have taken, but uh, yeah, I did not see everyone surviving, especially this last book. So rough. It, it was close. It. it was a very close. Boy oh boy, some of your guys' rolls. Especially I don't know how many we need to go back and count how many fortitude saves I've made you uh roll in book six, but uh you you hit almost all of them.
3: <laughs> that one just I mean just the last two episodes, the fortitude and reflex save I had to make from <laughs> oh, yes. from Rewire Flesh and and all the fireballs and everything else. There's got to be at least a dozen just there, uh, let alone
0: everything you made the Lindra do. I was going to say, I think in the last three episodes, I managed to hit exactly one creature. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I hit I hit one creature and a wall a whole bunch of times. Yeah, so it, 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 it,
4: it, it's funny you say that because just in this episode, Nack got to drop two creatures. Which yeah, it is funny. It's funny never
3: that I said that. Drew. it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hysterical. It's <laughs> so hysterical. Get it's so hysterical funny. that every single feat that I took was about making me more combat effective, and you just showed up and just murdered everybody in this last fight, and I I didn't get
4: to do anything!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even in victory, we are salty. Uh, There was an an episode there, Jabert, where he tried to to cut a a space undead monk with, like, a a level one knife. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, no, you guys are all maybe a little worse for wear, but we're going to find out. What happens indeed to these characters next week? We've got one more official last episode of this season, and that's our epilogue. We have an entire epilogue episode to Dead Sons. We're going to find out uh, where these seven characters end up. I'm going to count the goblins, too. <laughs> yeah. How are you all feeling about that? I'm looking forward to the curtain
1: Pretty call. good.
0: <sighs> you ready to say farewell to the Drift Rider crew?
1: No, oh, I'm I, so for sad. Now. good
0: riddance. These I, guys are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I feel sort of stunned here, finishing up this book and just reflecting back on the entire AP. I feel like we've done so much and been so many places. Like I don't, I don't even know how to wrap my head around all of it. So, um, I'm excited for the epilogue and to get to. To talk about, I want to go back through my notes, honestly, and <laughs> remind myself of what happened. Yeah, but, I mean, um, this, yeah, we got That'd a lot to, talk about. to
5: hear.
0: Yeah, that was yeah, a, that was a heck of a wh- whirlwind through the pack worlds. So uh, I think uh, I think we'll all have some exciting things to share and remember and <laughs> reminisce about. Well, so we're gonna have our story epilogue for Dead Sons. Everyone, tune back in for that, and then the following episode. We're going to have an entire episode where we just talk about this season. We're going to answer your questions. If you have any for the crew or for me, your uh, your friendly GM, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Cosmic Crit. Email us at CosmicCrit at gmail.com or join our Discord. Uh, we've already gotten some great questions from the CritterManders. Thank you, everyone. We're going to answer them. And between those two episodes, that's going to be it for Season 1.
1: And then we all cry. We miss them
0: so much. <laughs> I don't know. I got some more secrets in store, which I'm very excited to announce. But we're gonna have to wait till next week. So until then, uh, let's say farewell, Empire of Bones. Have a good night,
2: everybody. Good night. Farewell, everybody. Empire of Bones. Have a good night, everybody.
0: Bye 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 bye.
2: Critbit commencing in three, two, one.
1: Critbit initiated.
0: Welcome, everyone. We're back. Episodes not over. The season is not over yet. Not until we get a chance to talk about what we just played, and we're gonna do that today in a in a special critbit. My name is Patrick. I'm your GM, and of course, I'm uh, <laughs> here with. Uh, Maybe my two favorite players don't tell the other three that. That's a lie. The More You Nerd uh, crew is ready (laughs) to crit bit it up. Say hello, uh, Miles and Drew. Hello, Miles and Drew.
4: You you got a lot of nerve being so positive after that stunt (laughs) you just pulled.
0: Well, okay. I, in my defense did not write this AP volume. So I was just, I was going almost straight by the book. But uh, luckily, we have a chance to once again, talk with the author of the the AP volume, the Adventure Path volume we just got to play. And so join me in welcoming Owen Casey Stevens. Hello, Owen. Hey, folks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for coming back like twice within uh, two months. Uh, that is That is a record for us, I believe. <laughs>
5: You <laughs> uh, we were so nice the first time I couldn't resist.
0: <laughs> well, yes, it was. It was great to talk to you about the Starfinder Operations Manual playtest, but uh, we we knew we wanted to have you on as soon as we finished this book, and that is what is happening right now. Um, for those of you that didn't hear our first interview with Owen, uh, your position at Paizo officially is Starfinder Design Lead. Uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about what that entails? What that uh, position is: Are you in charge of everything Starfinder? Oh, not at all.
5: Um, <laughs> we we have a number of people who who have a a stakeholding in Starfinder. Uh, we have the creative director, who is uh, mm-hmm. Rob McCreary, uh, and he was the uh, he and I shared the design lead credit for the core rulebook, and then he's gone on to be the creative director, which basically means he's having a high level view on everything. So, licensed products, storylines, organized play. Uh, the feel and consistency of our whole universe and system.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, my wow. direct boss, our uh, managing developer, which is Amanda Hammond Coons, um, and she basically makes sure that we have enough people doing enough good work to get everything we want to get done, done, um, <laughs> while doing a whole lot of that herself. Uh, she's a, a veteran of the industry and, and has uh, a lot of experience. Uh, seeing projects through, so we're delighted to have her uh, with a steady hand on the till. As design lead, my main job is that when people say, hey, would it be unbalanced if we let Technomancers cast twice as many spells per day? My job is to say yes, <laughs> yes, that would be unbalanced, that would be terrible. <laughs> um, which is not to suggest I'm by any means the only person doing rules content, I'm just uh, the person whose sort of ultimate remit is to look at what are we doing with des- with rules, what is our design space, what are the philosophy philosophies that we want in the game, uh, what works well, and then to try, if I have time, to write all that down, down in a design document so that people don't always have to turn to me and say, hey, Owen,
0: how are we balancing feats against each other? Well, uh, as someone that has done uh, a little bit of writing for for Starfinder, uh, that design booklet is very useful in not having to ask development leads a million questions. So, and was- if. Even that, I mean, I... I
5: I'm glad you find that useful. It's the first actual direct feedback I've gotten. Um, oh my goodness, even that yes. even that was not solely my project, right? Mark Seifter, uh, who's on the Pathfinder design team and also worked on the core rulebook worked with me to create that from the get-go so that we would know things like how do you determine how much damage a fourth level long arm should do compared to a grenade compared to a spell compared to so all of that mm-hmm. stuff uh, is team efforts. It's just ultimately someone has to be in charge of keeping track of those things and bringing them forward for discussion when we need to discuss it. And so that's my role.
0: Uh Owen, do you like surprises? Yes or no? Oh, I love surprises. All right, good. Well I have another surprise for you in this crit bit. We're also joined by uh Jabert who plays Andes on the show. Hey Jabert. Hey
3: <laughs> sorry, sorry I'm rolling in here so late.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Did did uh, the the Boston roads che up spit you out. Oh my goodness. You wouldn't you wouldn't even believe it. It was like it was like an hour and a half late. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no,
5: that sounds, everyone sounds right. Everyone rolls last for initiative in some combat.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and my my bus driver must have been uh, sickened and flat-footed. So, oh no, oh no, so many conditions.
5: <laughs> right? I think your entire city uh, has become difficult
0: terrain. So. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, So, Owen, just to be clear, uh, Technomancers can cast twice as many spells now? Did I hear that correctly? (laughs) This is why we have to have someone whose job it is to say no. (laughs) Like <laughs> An overclock ability where they burn out uh, after three rounds would be great. <laughs> <And> then, three <laughs> rounds, and then <laughs> <they'd> die. <laughs> yeah, well, they die. Well, see, go. the problem with
5: that is that then someone will just slap Junior on the end of their name and say, I'm here to avenge my father. <laughs>
0: yup miles might have
2: uh threatened that a few times oh cool if you call me say me i i threatened so many awful things that if my character died i think patrick was a little worried that what he would have to put up with uh or or just like you have to wait until season two no that's that's what we do in our pathfinder game is we we threaten builds uh to come back as from the grave (laughs) that are very strong so one thing that uh I wanted to ask in uh, specific to, to the, this this uh, this book, well, first of all, uh, how dare you? <laughs> and it's a classic. Secondly, what is it like um, in terms of what you are in the mindset of in preparing a last chapter for a campaign or for the, for an AP being the last chapter? Because you have to kind of amp up everything. And like, like the Empire of Bones was just a series. It was a gauntlet. And mm-hmm. it was... In in some ways the most nervous and nerve wracking I've uh, like of an experience I've had in Starfighter so far, but it's also some of the most fun and ridiculous moments that I've had so far. So it was a very rewarding experience playing through this. But what what is your what are you uh, trying to I guess what, what what kind of mindset are you getting in when you are preparing a finale like this?
5: Uh, all of that stuff is music to my ears, by the way, uh, you being nervous and having fun is exactly what we're going for towards the end of an <laughs> AP. Um, I mean, some of it is you want to look at all of the themes that you have built during the AP. And, uh, especially since, you know, we've got a whole bunch of different authors trying to do different things with each adventure so that you don't feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over. You sort of look at, um, what haven't we done yet? Like there are sections of this AP, uh, which is our first adventure path where I put in, uh, rules for chase scenes and rules for vehicular combat because we hadn't used those yet in the AP. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially for the very first one, I wanted to be able to showcase everything that we've done. So like the, The whole, uh, maglev chase scene, grav train stuff all came from thing. Hey, here's a set of rules that I think we could have a cool cinematic scene with used yet. Um, the other thing for me is that I, when I am watching a movie for me, the end of the movie is very, very important to how I feel about the movie overall. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who who are much smarter than I am who will go into, oh, the themes and the character development and how is the cinematography. And what I really want to know is at the end of the movie, am I pumping my fist going, yeah, or not? That's That's what I care most about, especially in an action or horror or any sort of adventure type movie. So I want to, as much as possible, capture those ideas. In the adventure, and for an adventure path, because we do have so many different authors, uh there has to be someone who oversees the outline of the entire adventure path at a high level. Someone is finishing that first adventure before we ever start writing the last adventure, and so we have to have a high level outline of the entire arc, and uh, in this case. Uh, Rob McCurry, he's our creative director, did that arc. He put together the high level stuff and then he would say, okay, for your adventure, here are the sort of big beats that we want. Here's the overall theme. And then you write for him a more detailed outline where you say, this is what I see happening. Here are the characters I want to do. This is what I see as the climax. Here are the ideas I want to put into it. And then you work with him with that for a while to get that put together, um, The uh, AP team is now uh, mostly Jason Keeley and Chris Sims, so they've taken over doing that. But that's still done with Rob's input at that high level. And then they work with the authors to make sure that we are fulfilling what we want to accomplish with each of these adventures and each of these series
2: of interconnected adventures. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I I mean, you definitely, as far as like, it does have a very much the end of the movie type of feeling. I mean, from the, the moment we get on the Empire of Bones, I mean, we had to fight a ship and we're not in a ship <laughs> we're in a hangar <laughs> yeah.
5: that scene existed because i wanted to drive home to the players that you all aren't
2: first level anymore <laughs> oh yeah and you did mission accomplished <laughs> and it was it's a hilarious scene because i think um uh, drew and um jabert's character were were trying to figure out something with uh, the computers or our two melee characters you know uh went at the the ship and but they kept fumbling <laughs> and for some reason <laughs> my character had like just gotten this brand new gun and it just happened to have the right stuff to directly hurt the ship so uh-huh. i was the one doing all the damage on the gun for most of yeah, the and, combat and that
4: that gun was a it hand me down it was it was a hand me down from another character who had given it up <laughs>
0: Right, We've yeah, never that used was, it. That, yeah, that w- that was a situation where uh, we sort of looked at it, and uh, everyone looked at it and was like, nah, I don't want that. So Adras just sort of
5: stuck it in this null space chamber.
0: <laughs> About uh, sword,
5: vorpal sword. Does anyone want the vorpal sword? Oh well, we need it leaning against this tree.
0: Right. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, no,
3: no one, no one knows what vorpal means exactly. That was sort of the same thing here.
0: And uh, at some point, we uh, we realized, wait, we have this amazing heavy weapon just uh, sitting in our inventory. That's um, awesome. Uh, yeah, that that was a, an interesting combat. I think it was a great start to the the, the hangar bay section, which was uh, pretty, that was like three or four episodes. Um, just getting through there, Mm -hmm. but that, that one people, uh, people were on their toes for, I just think from, as soon as they got on the ship, you know, there is definitely that feeling of like an impending countdown or not being able to turn back, which definitely amped things up a little bit. And towards, um, the end of the hangar bay, you guys definitely Seem very concerned about being like, how could you rest? How could you? Um, that was
2: a or- concern.
0: Yeah. So finding, finding out the capability of how to do that was, uh, uh, nice. You were, I could, I can tell there was some. Uh, audible um, sighs of relief coming. It's like, oh, geez, thank you.
5: Look at, thing, I mean, I, I like things being as much as possible a cool adventure, but sometimes you do have to look at, at the realities of this being a game, right? We don't want to set up a circumstance where all your careful planning, based on the idea that as you gain levels, you will be able to do stuff like sleep. Um, we don't want to throw all that out the window. And yet we we really wanted the vast majority of this adventure to be, hey, you have assaulted this Enormous starship that's so big we need new rules just to describe it um mm-hmm. and you know I'm a big fan of the giant starship in space. I wrote the section of the the new rules for for super colossal ultranaut class ships um so part of what I wanted to do that this thing is so big that there are political machinations going on on the starship. And there are places you can go uh, that people aren't going to be able to immediately find you and sort of have that whole running around the enemy base, running around, the, the, the mobile space station, you know, those those sort of narrative devices where, yes, you're trying to keep your head down and, you know, if you sneeze too loud, you can be caught. But you have attacked something so large that they're like, well, five people can't possibly be a threat to our entire <laughs> enormous empire of bones. Well, Track them yeah. down. We won't really worry about the fact that we haven't found them.
0: It's like a, a, a moving city. I mean, the ship is hundreds of years old. So, <laughs> and, like, the original designers are all gone you know i don't think anyone really remembers that right so it kind of has this um the same feeling of like an ancient tomb from a pathfinder game it's like people live there but do they know even those people that are like the current occupants do they know all the secrets do they know all the nooks and crannies um it definitely
5: yeah had that feeling part part of what i was looking at was some of my favorite adventures that had dungeons so big that cities had evolved within the dungeon, right? Going back to the Mm -hmm. fantasy idea. Um, So I really thought of the Empire of Bones as an enormous dungeon in space. And actually the the thing that was toughest for me was how do I tell the players how you all can take a break, get some sleep, uh, even get new batteries and ammunition, right? Because Mm -hmm. it would be reasonable without having some sort of big street sign that says hey here's your way to to survive this it'd be reasonable for players to go well we're in an enemy ship we can never rest we can never get any more equipment um, so we tried to address that as one thing. And then the other was the two things that make the most sense on a giant starship full of undead people are undead and robots. So those are both unliving creatures. Mm-hmm. And I'm OK with the majority of what you're facing being unliving. But I wanted to throw at least a few things in there where if you had focused on some other set of options that don't work on the unliving, you wouldn't be going, well, there's nothing I can do in any of these encounters.
0: Yeah, no, you you want to have some variety in, in the the monsters, for sure. I I think that stuff like the um the the slime patch system, having the uh, the that fight in the hangar bay was really nice. Um, the sernox that like <laughs> come in with and destroy the the rocks. Um, that that was surprising to the players. And but like looking at it, it's like an ecology that makes a lot of sense on what is essentially a a, a city in space. Um, that you would have.
2: You know, all kinds of like weird zoological beasts here. I think the one thing just go ahead. Oh, I I was just gonna say, I think the one that uh, that made me audibly curse, I think we had to edit it out, was when we came across three Elikoth's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah no oh um, yeah, you
0: uh you you gave us a little <laughs> precursor to that when we talked to you last time and you mentioned Ellicott, <laughs> so I was like must really enjoy <laughs> <laughs> I um, really do really enjoy
5: Elicos. They're we, great. And, yeah they're, they're I mean they're 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 life sucking elephants on stilts who are all sad who doesn't want to have a whole bunch of um, uh, I was
0: I was pretty freaked out when uh, when all three of those showed up and then I remembered that uh the last time we fought them was at like level six, so <laughs> right.
5: yeah, that's another one of those congratulations. You're not first level anymore. Moments, right? right you right, you exactly. literally get to here's a thing that you have faced before that was terrible, and there's more of them, and you're in
0: worse circumstances. Oh, but it turns out you've leveled up since then. So, I mean, you've doubled in level, uh, but they have tripled in number as far as the uh, the enemy combatants go. So it was it was interesting how well balanced that encounter was um i think the the start of that combat they get so many like um attacks of opportunity as people are like moving into their space and then they start sucking the soul out of you it gets very dangerous it, but they uh, this team handled it pretty well that's again some of that was a desire to to give you more to fight than
5: just robots and undead but also mm-hmm. i just i i sort of i I've always loved the villain that has the huge, hideous monster as a pet. Um, <laughs> like the
2: Rancor from Jabba's Palace? Rancor oh, yeah.
5: from Java's Palace, or or, or or Thulsa Doom saying, you killed my snake. Um... <laughs> So I, I wanted again to have that opportunity where you can say okay here's here's this thing that they have done because they want to make sure you can't get through this room. So they're they're taking these extra steps just to inconvenience you in case you show up and that's another opportunity for the players to do something that allows them to interact um, with some of the bad guys, one of my other things that I was a little worried about was that people just wouldn't have enough opportunities to role play, right? Because mm-hmm. mostly these are all people who are going to shoot first and ask questions of your corpse after they've brought it back to life.
0: Um, yeah, that, that's something, um, I added a little bit into in book five was, uh, trying to give these players a chance to speak with an nine before the like final battle. Um, uh- but that was written into book six. That wasn't an, uh, an invention on my part, was where Gerd Nishal does indeed try and um, uh, track you down by, by engaging in a uh, a system or a, um, a ship-wide communication with the invaders. Um, really, really fun part. I enjoyed that right after the Elikoth fight.
5: I, I- and that is... That's another thing you'll see sometimes in action movies, right, is the the conversation <laughs> via radio with the main bad guy who's like, I'm impressed by your tenacity, but you cannot win. So that's another opportunity to the sort main... of have those iconic moments.
0: I'm Bill, Bill Clay. Nice to meet you, John McClane. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh
2: was I, I think book six gave me one of my favorite moments so far in, in Starfinder uh, because it, it it granted me the opportunity to do something that I'd, I'd wanted to try this entire uh, adventure path, uh, which was approach a combat situation in a completely different manner. So when we go to the train station, what mm. we ended up doing is I, I, I burnt out all of my level two spells to make everyone invisible so that we could get to the train without uh anyone noticing us and i think a draw us, like tripped over a bucket or something <laughs> <laughs> um, well he just
0: not a very stealthy uh, yeah
2: but was. we were still able to get to the train without an actual combat because we ended up sawing off like one of the carts and then just zoomed off huh. and, and that was like the the most rewarding i've I, i've rewarded i felt because we were able to do something that was <laughs> i felt was was different
0: so uh, that was right when you guys leveled up to 12. And I was joking the beginning of that episode. It's like, oh, there's definitely not going to be a combat episode. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, where you can try out these new abilities and powers that you have. And then you go ahead and skip a combat almost entirely, uh, which was a, a a pretty tough one. You know, there's, what, three commandos, a couple of Bacock bearing down on you. One had like a sniper position. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah,
5: that, that I have gotten some really... Uh, nasty friendly feedback about that <laughs> that sniper baycock that's uh so. tell tell him to have a technomancer. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, as both as a player and as a GM, I always love it when there's what appears to be a, a obvious way to handle something and the group goes, Nope, we have a better idea. Um, which you know, that's why I like giving out experience for overcoming a challenge instead of just killing everything <laughs> yeah. in sight. If you kill everything in sight, especially in this adventure, that generally works for you. But if you've got another idea, um, again, that's a way to not have everything be the same grind over and over and over. But to say, look, this is an environment. You all have certain goals. The, the whole point of the early part of the Starship uh, fight, rather than being exploration as it might be in a, a jungle encounter, or we want to see every room because we're trying to uh, understand what kind of ruin we're in in a dungeon, figure out how are we taking this thing over and Mm -hmm. where do we have to go to do that. And so that means that things like bypassing whole encounters are perfectly valid and and even smart tactical choices.
0: Um yeah, yeah, mentioning that it, it definitely well it definitely did seem that way. Um uh can we talk a bit about uh fast forwarding to the end uh my favorite part which is our two episode extravaganza that was the final boss fight. Sarah Box, uh, some, a, a gate crasher and the, the bridge of the, the Empire of Bones. Um, in, in addition to that, there, there are uh, getting up to that point, a lot of places where I think we skip some, some fights that were suggested. Like if the party rests without using the, um, the, um, the viruses that, were Tombstone. in the system, Project Tombstone, I, uh, you know, so-and-so, a group of um, robots or commandos would come upon them. And the the bit we talked about where Gardner Shaw was talking to the, the group, you know, he was sending out an active search party for you guys that uh, I think you missed by like 30 seconds. They, they rode up on a train and <laughs> we're, we're coming after you. Um, I believe we were yeah, hiding getting, in a closet Yeah, he that keeps that you point, talking
5: huh? long enough, people show
0: up. Yeah, uh, Saravox. you know, it was kind of the first part. It's like, you guys know now where the bridge is and you're going, you're looking to take it over. So um, it had a different feel that the Gurnishall fight was a lot of fun. But uh, Saravox in general, um, one thing I wanted to ask you was they are a Necrovite where we do have ah. rules for them. I'm not sure. Did they, were they printed again in an alien archive? Siddharka writes in the alien archive. Right. So, but this one, uh, Saravox does have some, some different abilities, uh, a, a different gear loadout and spells. Um, did, what was your, you know, design philosophy in this fight? What, what were you hoping GMs would do with uh, this encounter?
5: I was hoping GMs would terrify their players forever, so that Necrovites <laughs> got the reputation as being the the bad to the bone undead space liches that you never ever ever want to mess with.
0: All right, good. Oh, well, mission accomplished. I hope, guys. Right. Well, I learned I learned <laughs> I, lear- I learned something special about Patrick specifically. But <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, I uh, I was actually thinking about juicing up that fight and maybe adding in. Uh, second gate crasher or something like that for people that were outside of the the wall of force um, but you know rereading that I was like wow this is going to be tough enough as it is if one or even two players get uh you know divided if the the party gets split in two because you never know what's going to happen on either side of that wall like who's who's going to roll highest on initiative it was a draws was tyler this time but like what if it was what if it was a lingerer what if it was knack and he like runs up that one he would never have done that well Two,
4: it's yeah uh, but, what if? but but that but that is another situation where if we had a different party makeup that entire fight would have gone differently kind of mm-hmm. like the kind of <sighs> like the the sneaking around we happen to have a technomancer that could cast invisibility on all of us to, in order for us to sneak by and skip that fight if we had a, a technomancer or mystic with a dispel ability that could have dispelled that force wall it would have been a
5: very different fight and mm-hmm. uh and but for that matter if you've got a if you've got a team of people who are mostly melee combatants who want to rush up and and he can't get the force wall the Necrovite can't get a force wall between you and them it becomes a very different fight
0: yeah yeah exactly um Ours went, you know, one way, I think, uh, was, uh, I mean, not the best case scenario, but the, the most survivable, we had a very, uh, well, Tyler had a very difficult time because, uh, uh, my gatecrasher Owen, uh, walked up to him in the, the first round of combat and critted, um, (laughs) immediately for, you know, 70 points of damage. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this after that. (laughs) <laughs> so that that definitely changed things up, and and uh, uh, well, that first yeah, that, that first fight, episode seventy, was was not going well that, for you.
4: That, guys. That, ga- that gatecrasher was basically a, a lone Vesk soldier uh, attacking with a, a a little a little envoy rat yelling at the monster from across a wall. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well and what what was what was funny about that encounter and I think what what changed things for the rest of us is is because Tyler hit because his character is designed to be pretty beefy in terms of stamina points and most of the time when he gets hit like Tyler just kind of is very quick to just shrug it off. He's very blasé he, about. Yeah, it. he's very oh, blasé about. It's no it. big
4: deal guys, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, so,
2: a t- w- tank build. That's kind of what Tyler they do. When Tyler started to Sound worried. <laughs> That's when I was like, I think I'm gonna stop shooting at this wall and teleport oh. over there. We had a full week
0: uh, did, between episode seventy and seventy one where I was high as a kite on life. Yeah, did, I was so did, did, did happy you guys hear with Patrick's like devilish laugh right there. Yeah. He was yeah no yeah pa- Patrick almost ended up without a podcast, so <laughs> maybe like chill out with this braggy brag. Well, like I said, I think uh, before we start recording, I think if I had cast. Wall of Force a third time. I wouldn't have any more friends. I think you—you are one hundred percent correct. I would have been blacklisted on the uh, Facebook and Twitter. Be like, we're we're shunning you. We're turning our backs forever. um And it's just
5: yeah. one of the things when you're trying to design what you know that's that is pretty much the end of the whole adventure path, right? So. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure as a designer that you're giving people a challenge that they go, oh, yeah, I, I see why we couldn't do this when we started. I understand. Yeah, this exactly. is the person that's been causing so much misery over the course of five previous adventures. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you don't want to just say, hey, you guys are should be 13th level, so it's three 20th level uh, Solarians, all of whom are have greater invisibility and haste. Um, because <laughs> always just break things. So I really wanted... One of the nice things about a spellcaster, especially an undead spellcaster, is you can give them several different specific useful spells and abilities so that the GM has options kind of no matter which way that adventure goes, no matter how that, that combat turns out.
0: Yeah and th- like I said this Necrovite w- was built differently. I think um I think the uh more the defensive spells that they had might have played into their character a little bit as you know trying to be guarded against <laughs> people like Gurnishall trying to like stab them in the back and and take control of the fleet or what have you uh which was interesting to see but um yeah it it turned out to be I think definitely our longest fight in the the history of Starfinder for us, the history oh, of this yeah. podcast, 100%. Uh, 20, 20 rounds. Um, so a couple minutes long. And, you know, when, when that's uh wall of force lasts for a minute and, you know, 10 seconds or what have you, that's a, that's a long time. Um, But
5: yeah, uh, no, that, that, that will, that will change the course of an adventure. Yeah. It's interesting. The CR is about right that I could have just used a buy the book. Necrovite from Alien Archive. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what my outline originally said because I wanted to save room, right? I can say, hey, use this from the Alien Archive. Um, and this is another case where where there's a difference between me looking at things from a purely game mechanical question, which is how I tend to approach games first, right? I've got a lot of stuff I want to make sure I get in there to be fun and interesting, et cetera. But I tend to look at game mechanics first. Now I'm like, well, these game mechanics are fine. I can write a cool encounter with this. And then Rob McCreary came along and said, look, we can't have the ultimate bad to the bone, bad guy, just be a stat block out of the alien archive, right? People will have <laughs> seen that. They'll know what's what's coming. You've got to give them a custom villain. And a Necrovite makes all the sense in the world for, for the Empire of Bones to be the Admiral, to be the ultimate. Oh, tower. yeah. But you got to write one from scratch. You have to make the room, and since you're doing that, you have to make sure that the changes that you put in goes through the encounter, so that your GMs and, your, and the people play and go, "Oh, I see why they designed this different."
0: Yeah, I, I think it was it was a good choice um, because one, the the one that you've got set up here can really hold a lot of party builds at bay and, and, and mess them up. Whereas the, the general one is, is, it's scary <laughs> for sure. You know, with a rack staff and, and things like that. But, um, I don't, know, maybe I, I think that's part of the, the fear as well. If you, you're like, Oh, I know what a Necrovite does. <laughs> and then it starts casting a wall of uh, force and things like that. I'm like, never mind. I don't know what this is. Run. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you know, we, we like
5: to assume that players are not playing, having carefully read all the undead in the alien archive. Um, but this is the first adventure path. So yeah. if you are someone who is also running a game of Starfinder, it would be perfectly reasonable for you to have looked at how we did the space ledge. So yeah, the other big advantage is it becomes clear very early on. Oh, I know roughly who this person is, but I don't know exactly what they can. Um, b-
0: uh, Before we wrap up tonight, uh, I would like to, Maybe talk about some of her favorite moments playing through this book. Um, uh, I think, I mean, besides the Sarah Vox fight, I really enjoyed um, uh, doing a chase scene, uh, especially with Miles at the the reins as a uh, an ace pilot. <laughs> that was uh, uh, at twelfth level. You get like new bonuses to to help you out and stuff like that, which was which was yeah, awesome. That, that,
2: that was that was fun for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, barely touched them in in that combat because of that um anybody else any favorite moments from from empire of bones
4: i like the uh the change of expectations not the change of expectations the sort of uh upsetting of expectations i i'm i'm, I'm losing the word that i'm looking for here <laughs> but so so when we first get to the empire of bones there's a signal that we have to find somewhere on the ship and oh what's this signal what's the <laughs> signal and we spend two or three episodes trying to get towards the signal. And it's just a bunch of dwarves in jail cells that are already dead and we have to kill them. And that's it. And, uh, and and, and we get some, some story stuff out of that, but it's, that is in any other book or any other part of this, that would be, Oh, they would give us this key that would give us this thing that would do this. And, (laughs) and and there's so much of that, that, that happened Uh, even before the Saravox fight, we have cleared out the, 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 glass vaults with this amazing uh, amazing loot. And we're just going to clear the side rooms to before we move forward into what we <laughs> knew, think is going to be the boss fight. And the side room had Gurdnashal in it.
5: <laughs> and <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you guys were very
0: surprised by that. Like
5: you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I, once once you've raided the trophy cases, I can't let you all just have one more big fight after that. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah,
0: That's a couple. there's
5: a there's a reason the Necrovite felt perfectly comfortable leaving all of this awesome stuff sitting in trophy cases, and part <laughs> of that, part of the the whole principle behind how Xerox does stuff, is that Admiral that has to show such force and confidence that the people that the players have already discovered are perfectly happy to potentially mutiny and take over. don't dare move against the admiral
0: and so that's part of the entire everybody (laughs)
5: um so that's that's how a lot of the stuff that comes together you start with okay how do you if you are a space lich how do you convince people that they can never ever ever risk going up against you and then how can i spin that into interesting moments for the players
2: right right
0: i'd say uh I was really, let me start by saying, when I designed Andis, I sort of wrote it and I was like, I want a character that can eventually uh, hijack Absalom Station. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is what I want. I want to steal Absalom Station. I want to be uh, a computer nerd. <laughs> right. So, right, And so I was, just, I was just sort of like, all right, let's see how we can get there. And so the whole time as we were going through, I was sort of like, well, I guess... We're getting towards the end. We're in the last book. I was like, well, I guess we're not really going to find any level 10 computers we're not gonna <laughs> steal any ships
3: I guess we're not gonna steal any ships we're just gonna blow up a dumb
0: big space station and so uh, but uh, no yeah uh, definitely was uh, were some level 10 computers that I definitely got to practice on I appreciate it. and <laughs> steal a space station and, yeah. spiels, and steals yeah, pretty much space station. So, so, super colossal not
4: going back to an old pathfinder campaign Jabert got to steal a train at one point and it was kind of a high point point. and so not only did we get to steal another train but the entire (laughs) empire of bones
0: yeah you guys were so excited when that train uh, station showed up you're like it's happening (laughs)
2: it's (laughs) It's all happening it was such an important part of our of our homebrew campaign where jabert was literally just stealing everything and not even just stealing it he would just say this is mine i'm taking this (laughs) this and it would be like this is my building now (laughs) like just random things and so to 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 be able to come back to this even though you know obviously people who listen to the show don't really have that relationship for for us it was it was such a a moment of providence
5: (laughs) well and i think i think a lot of people um if not that specific moment right there is a fair amount of uh who interact with things like Trains and, and cranes and slidewalks and, and sort of that, that higher tech stuff that doesn't show up in uh, maybe a Pathfinder or a DD adventure as much, uh, which is one of the reasons we wanted to look at that. The idea of having a chase scene um, using grav trains actually was one that Jason Keeley had come up with for the Ruined Clouds. Uh, which he was writing and I developed, but he just couldn't make it fit. There wasn't room for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I said, well, I've been trying to figure out how people are going to move around on the giant empire of bones, right? Because I was thinking of uh, Spaceballs where the president, uh, Mel Brooks, comes in and says, had to run, ship's too big. If I'd walked the movie, it'd be over. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> Having some sort of mass transit made sense for me, and I was like well that's that's a great idea. I can pick that up and instead of doing it where we 've run out of room in the ruined clouds, we can put it in the empire of bones and He was really happy to to know that that idea was going to survive, even though we we tweaked it and changed how it worked so the The core of that comes from
0: keeley yeah yeah we 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 spoke with him about that, and i I was a big fan of the rule set, like as soon as I got the, the core rule book back in 2017 now, but I was like, yes. where is, where's is it going to fit in this campaign? I, I was waiting for it. We almost did one, uh, like a little side quest adventure in, um, at the end of book three, beginning of book four. Um, but, I, I, I opted against it at the last moment. This is going to be, this is going to be a very confusing episode, learning these new rules, <laughs> but they, they, they fit in very well with the extra, um, like hazards and things that are uh, were in the Empire of Bones. Um, there's a great if if you guys don't own the physical book out there, I, I highly recommend it. There's a two page spread with with some art and uh, descriptions of all the different decks of the Empire of Bones and a great map at the end of the book. Which I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm just so glad I, you
5: like that map because one of the things we're trying to figure out is how how are we going to map how out? Do you do how it? We'll yeah, right,
0: like right. And so that decks—it's like, basically uh, you know like a, a cutaway uh, style of the ship.
5: And one of the reasons that I wanted to do the uh, the grav train chase the way I did so that different sections of the ship had different impacts on how that chase went was so that you could use that map and you could say, okay, well we're on this deck. We can go up to that set of decks or down to this set of decks, or or we can move back to the engine room area. Um, mm-hmm. So it would actually have a use in play to justify having taken up a page to show you this cutaway view. I didn't even
0: think about doing that during the chase scene, yeah, but I, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was about to say it. people should now that the, <laughs> that we've developed this method. <laughs> I, I think this, this book if people want to roll up some uh, level 11 uh, Starfinder characters and have a great dungeon delve, this works really well, I feel. Um, just getting into the ship, like, you know, infiltrating the super fortress and taking on the corpse fleet. It, it's it's fun by itself. Like You don't really need to tie it to the, the greater story for it to be a romp, a riot, a good time, you know? That's cool. It's so cool here. I'm, I'm glad that you all have that reaction to it. Yeah, and we we talked about it being very action movie oriented, and I mean that definitely. I don't. know, I felt that way in the pacing of our our episodes. I think it we're like th- uh, took about thirteen episodes, and each one of these is like an hour and a half. So it was yeah. it was a it was a while. It was like a full season of television almost <laughs> these last uh, yeah, was- what three months.
2: Even even at the end, like you know, you're asking for our thoughts. When I was starting to pilot the Empire of Bones, I said, "Well, if J.J. Abrams <laughs> taught me anything about starship combat, at the end of a movie, uh. we need the Beastie Boys pumping." <laughs> and so my character listened to the Beastie Boys as he's driving the uh, Empire of Bones into the um, the starship generator. I don't I know if that's canon. I
0: don't know if Beastie yeah, Boys they're is they're canon in the universe. The,
2: you know, well, I mean,
0: the we, the beast we, here we are now.
5: We, I'm sure it would be Strawberry Machine Cake if we were doing canon. But <laughs>
0: yes, yes, <laughs> we. We'll, we'll that's, get, that's, that's the, the Beastie Boys of the Starfinder universe. <laughs> uh, yes. Um. All right. Let, let's let's wrap up this crit bit. Um. I've ah, man it. Now that we're done with it, I just want to jump back into this book again and run through it with some different characters and see how they <laughs> would survive, particularly this final battle. But alas, we got to move on. No more high level characters for these folks. We're going back down to level one.
5: <laughs> it's a small adjustment. No one will have any problems.
2: <laughs> it, it, it will definitely be an adjustment for me. This is the first. This is my first like true full official tabletop yeah. campaign. So yeah, congrats, Miles.
0: Survived
2: um, somehow. Yeah,
4: I'm, I'm I'm in the same boat, and it's 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 really it's really cool. It's really fascinating, and and I don't know if this is characteristic of all adventure paths, uh, but or whether it's because this is the first uh, Starfinder adventure path. But from book one all the way through the final book, every book had a different feel. Every book had different stuff to do, and mm-hmm. and they all felt Definitely. different and new, and just showed the the breadth of. Of storytelling and breadth of gameplay that you can have in the Starfinder universe, and I just want to thank you guys for putting all of that stuff out for us to to take advantage of and play. I want to thank wanna... y'all for
5: buying it, right? Because that's what pays my salaries. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for putting this together, we were very very fortunate um, to have Rob McCrery. Doing the outline for this because he has so much experience with Pathfinder Adventure Paths, and so he is—he is an excellent person to look at. Okay, how do we make these all interconnected, all feel like one story, and yet show off all the different things we can do with Starfinder, and still give you something new and interesting, but not something that your characters aren't prepared for as we go along. So I, I was I felt very privileged to get to write the capstone of this sort of giant story arc he'd conceived.
0: Oh yeah, well we we talked to him back in episode I think. 17 or 18. And I made the comparison to the, uh, the rise of the rune lords, which was the first, you know, full pathfinder AP. And I feel now that we've completed this one, this stands six for six AP volumes toe to toe with that pathfinder adventure, which is one of my favorites. We've played through, uh, before on a, an IRL table. And I think yeah, both kind of had this great uh, capstone climax um in book six, which is like, how did we survive? Gosh, how did we survive gosh, that? Do you guys
4: remember when all we were worried about was the hard Scrabble collective and, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: and dockside goblins attacking standpoint. And-
4: <laughs> and Akatas. You guys remember how scary Akatas were? Oh man, oh, they
0: still are. They're very they're very frightening. <laughs> we,
5: we, we can make CR 15 Akatas if that's what you need to feel comfortable. That's not a problem.
0: No, that's all right. Oh, I think I I I, I understand where we're going next with these characters. Let's bring them back for an Akata fight. <laughs> uh um before before we let you go. Owen, oh, where can people find you online if they want to Follow you, hear more about your design elements, things like that. I've got a blog, uh,
5: which mm-hmm. is supported by a Patreon, and there's links to that from like every post on the blog. I'm uh on Facebook. Uh, I am frequently <laughs> on the PISO boards uh, just pretty much everywhere i can possibly manage and i'm uh, owen underscore stevens on twitter
0: and uh, i'm happy to chat with folks and i try to be on all social media all the time uh i'll put in more notes for the the blog i appreciate it a great deal you've got a lot of stuff <laughs> written on there i don't know how you have time for it but including uh, a whole nother setting like that works with the starfinder universe the uh
5: a really wild west uh really western west. pack that I'm doing on
0: yep yes so if you like cowboys and aliens um i feel like that one uh works really cowboys well cowboys and aliens and magic and martians and yeah. poker <laughs> yes we need we need rules for poker and Starfinder. Make them up, please. There, uh, there.
5: That, that was posted this month.
0: Oh my yeah, goodness! Yeah. I, yeah, I saw the I saw the gambling rules that you'd posted. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, Support this it was on Patreon, weird. everyone. This is <laughs> yeah, genius. I was. Uh, I'm actually working on a like on like sort of a small arc that's all about a casino right now. Uh, after uh- reading that, <laughs>
5: it's pretty cool. <laughs> Spoilers. <That's> awesome. <laughs> I. I- I look forward to seeing your Patreon support name, Papa. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be entirely uh, so fair, right? Uh, you, as a group, Cosmic Credit is supporting my Patreon, and I appreciate it. So, I, I, yeah, I don't want to be too blithe. I, I give this stuff out no. for free, and and people get to put money in the tip jar if they are so moved to. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have a lot of fun. Uh, I like Starfinder so much that I can't write for it for just one game company. Um, so I, I do stuff privately and and for other companies
0: as well. Yeah, no, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, I, I think I've talked on the podcast a bit about the starfarers and that was uh, put
5: out through uh rogue genius games uh and it was written by alex akunas and uh matt morris yeah a lot of people like that book
0: a lot of good stuff in there um i mean there's there's a ton of great <laughs> things out there if you're looking uh to go beyond into the great wild yonder of uh, drive through rpg and and other um places where they get starfinder stuff published
5: Almost all of that is available on Paizo.com. Paizo also has Starfinder forums, including third-party Starfinder forums. So if you've got oh, questions yeah. about about popular third-party books or what are popular third-party books, uh, the community on Paizo.com uh, on those Starfinder third-party forums is really friendly and really helpful. So if you, if you go to them and you say, Hey, I really want rules for Mecca to pick something I actually haven't written. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not shamelessly boosting my own stuff. Um, there are, <laughs> if we have not done anything official, uh, there are people there who will point you at what they found and what they got useful. You can buy that, uh, from Paizo. When Paizo went out of their way to support third-party content for Starfinder, right? they made an advanced version of the rules available to some third-party publishers, hmm. which is why so many people had stuff available day one. Um, there's some awesome uh, starship art and maps, and people are doing all sorts of stuff. So I'm really excited to see the whole the game as a whole be supported by things like uh, Real play podcasts by third party publishers, mm-hmm. by people's blog posts. Uh, there are Facebook groups. So it really seems to be embraced by a wide group. And that, for me, that's part of the whole promise of the OGL, right? is oh, that, yeah. That here's this opportunity for us to do all this stuff. And if there's, I mean, Paizo is never going to publish a, a, a Cowboys and Aliens Old West with Magic setting, right? That's just not on their radar. <laughs> Why not? That's great. <laughs> but, <laughs> Let's go to Akaton <laughs> and have a, a shoot 'em up. <laughs> That doesn't mean we would never do anything weird West themed briefly, yeah. but we're certainly never going to do a, a, an 1890s series. alternate Earth set. Right? It's it's just not
0: no. <laughs> Sadly. Things
5: like that tend not to make the kind of money that Paizo wants to make, and it, it's not <laughs> the, the things that the fans of Paizo are mostly as a group looking for. But with the OGL and with Paizo's really very welcoming support of third-party publishers, someone else can do that, and then the people that want it can find it and use it, and maybe they're inspired to, to make something else for it
0: awesome. Uh yeah, no, there's <laughs> for those of you out there like me that uh there's not enough Starfinder. <laughs> uh there's a lot more uh beyond uh just what you can buy on on uh, uh your your local gaming store. Um although I've seen I've actually seen some um Rogue Genius stuff. I feel like in print, in public, uh, publication form, in my local gaming store as well, which is always exciting.
5: Um, Occasionally, our stuff makes it to print into a game store, not often because yeah. it, it, honestly, that's that's my side gig. Uh, I I am full time employed by Paizo, plus I do work for Green Berneen and Rate Publishing, and I've mm-hmm. got my Patreon. So, uh, Rogue Genius. <laughs> I, I do what I can when I have time, but <laughs> my, my, my ability to pay the bills is covered by Paizo, and I really appreciate both their their support of the game in general and of the broader community that I get to do so many other fun
0: things with. Awesome. All right, let, let's wrap it up. We could probably talk about Starfinder all night long. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Owen. Absolutely. Again, I'm, I'm really
5: glad you all had a good time, and uh, I hope that you all enjoy going against the Aeon throne.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's, sure that's starting, oh, boy, in just a few weeks. <laughs> um, <Bert and laughs> Drew, Miles, thank you guys. Was- thank you, Patrick. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Andrew. Let's wrap it up and uh, see you next season, everyone.